0: Today on Hold the Middle, we're going to watch the first 10 minutes of the 2019 action movie Kill Chain. We're two busy dads who don't have time to watch the whole movie. So we watch just the beginning and end of a
1: movie, then try our best to fill in the gap. I'm Dan. I'm Steven. And and this this is is Hold the the Middle. Middle. So Dan, before we start talking about Kill Chain, I want to bring up something that you talked about last week. Okay. Sounds good. Something that has wormed its way into my brain and I can't stop thinking about it. Last week, you brought up the Verizon Scrooge commercial (laughs) that has aired 17,000 times this holiday season. (laughs) Okay. Um, I've been thinking about it. I don't know why I've been thinking about it. But I've been thinking more about it. So your complaint was that Paul Giamatti is playing Scrooge and they never refer to him as Paul. Yes. Okay. I've been thinking a little bit more about it and I have a problem with this commercial as well. I want to hear it. Okay. Scrooge is in the commercial. Okay. Cecily Strong from SNL is having a conversation with Scrooge. He's complaining about his phone reception or something. Mm Mm-hmm. So if we're to believe Verizon, Scrooge has managed to time travel to the present day. And the first thing he does is he buys a cell phone from Verizon. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't get a new outfit. He's still wearing his Scrooge clothes from 1843. Mm -hmm. He doesn't get a haircut or anything like that. He doesn't do anything other than buy a cell phone. Yeah. And Cecily Strong, she's not surprised to see him either.
0: No, not at all. So, like, what is the story here? I cannot figure it out. I don't know. And also, knowing what we know about Scrooge, wouldn't he be more like a a jitterbug or a cricket guy? Because he's so old. He's old and he's cheap. Verizon's not cheap. Well, that's
1: another thing I thought about. What Scrooge is this? Because he says, bah humbug. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he says something like, the more gifts, the merrier, for me.
0: So is this pre-Christmas carol, Scrooge? It definitely seems that way. Or it's, uh, I didn't learn my lesson, Scrooge.
1: Yeah, like he's just resorted back to his old ways. Right. Could be. Yeah, this Very is bizarre commercial.
0: Fascinating.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I literally, I watched... Um, the Survivor finale with my family on Paramount+. No spoilers.
0: Plus. You're the second person who told me they watched that this week. Okay, well, How'd I watched
1: that? it on Paramount+, Plus with commercials. Uh-huh. And this Verizon commercial was literally in every single commercial break. It is the holiday commercial of
0: 2022. <laughs> it's inexplicable. I don't get it. It's not a good commercial. And yet, we are bombarded with it. <laughs> Should we... Yeah, let's get in the kill chain. Or do you have more? <laughs> no, no. We're let's gonna, get in the kill chain. We're gonna have a separate podcast just about the Verizon commercial with Paul Giamatti.
1: Or maybe uh, one where we just break down
0: commercials <laughs> at a very detailed level, one one second at a time. <laughs> uh, okay, so get us started on kill chain. Tell me some details about uh, the movie facts.
1: All right, so Kill Chain was one of six movies that Nicolas Cage at least released in 2019. All right. We're not shocked by that number anymore. Like Mm -mm. six should be an incredible number, but it's Nicolas Cage and it's not a surprise. Yeah. Um, Primal was also released that year. That was uh, a movie we talked about earlier this season. Yeah. Uh, Did you see the runtime for Kill Chain? Yep, about an hour and a half. Hour and a half, love it. Mm-hmm. Nicholas Cage must love these 90 minute movies too. He might. Yeah. Well, must be I, mean, why I like him so much.
0: If I don't know if I, I read it somewhere, I don't know if it was fact or I heard it as an opinion. Someone said to get Nick Cage to work on your movie, it's like $5 million for six days of work, something like that. And that would make sense because if you're going to make a movie, you can't make a movie that's less than about 90 minutes unless you're Dana Carvey making master of disguise it's so they're going to you're going to make a movie that's 90 minutes or 90 pages long the script is going to be about 90 pages long and you've got to get the most Nick Cage you can in the movie so the movie's going to be relatively short and you got to just bang this thing out and you only get him for 6 days it's something like that you know it's it's this is part of his deal I'm gonna come in. You're gonna give me $5 million. I'm gonna work for six days. I'm gonna give you everything I got. And then I'm out of here. Don't call me back. This is it. And they understand this. And I had something else on this later, not the specific thing, but let's go on. Wow, I just think that that's, uh, yeah, it might be a good deal. And that's why he does six movies per year, whatever. Um, He's making 30 million bucks and he doesn't have to work more than like, you know, six weeks or so.
1: I wonder if I can do that with my job. I I go to my boss and say, you know what? You're going to pay me $100,000. You're going to get me for four and a half hours a day. I'll do the best I can for four and a half hours. Don't talk to me after that. That's it. wonder that if that might, would work. That might not work. No, I don't think I'd so. I'd like to see you try and uh, report I'll, back. I'll wait till after the holidays. Okay, sounds good. Uh, what else? This was rated R, produced by a company called Millennial Media. Mm-hmm. it's actually what's it's actually been around since the early 90s.
0: I've got some stuff on them too, yeah.
1: All right. I don't ever remember seeing millennial media or millennial films at the beginning of a movie, but it's no.
0: like hundreds of movies. Yeah, and I, I, what I wrote down was, I started on their Wikipedia page to see what they produced since the early 90s. They were really in what I want to call like moneyball film production. They understood that you could get a guy or a woman, an actor and actress, who's a big name and uh, not a great script and produce it for cheap, sell it direct to video and still make a profit. And they made a bunch of movies like that. Like one of the notable early movies, notable uh, is relative. I've never heard of it, but I just wrote it down because it was. it starred Robert Downey Jr., Billy Zane. And the guy, uh, I'm going to butcher his name, Kari Hiroyuku Tagawa, mm-hmm. who was in lots of movies. He was Shang Tsung in Mortal Kombat and lots of other stuff. That's I know him from Mortal Kombat, though. And that's just what this movie does, or the, this production company does. They make relatively cheap movies with well-known actors that when you see it on your uh, shelf at Blockbuster or whatever Hollywood video, you're like, oh, yeah, this sounds good. And you take it and then they make tons of money. But as the years went by, they started making actual movies that went in the theaters.
1: Did you yeah, I wrote down a few. Down a
0: few. Yeah, what would you see?
1: I wrote down Rambo Last Blood. Yep. Uh, Hitman's Bodyguard, which – is that the one with Ryan Reynolds? Wasn't that like Ryan Reynolds and Samuel Jackson? I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah that pretty, does sound familiar. That was a pretty big movie. Yeah. Because uh, it even spawned a sequel um all of the expendables yep and nick cage has worked with them a bunch like i saw drive angry on the list uh trespass bad lieutenant
0: yeah wicker man
1: a wicker man was on there
0: yeah a couple other movies that i wrote down that i'd heard of were 16 blocks 88 minutes olympus has fallen london has fallen so it seemed like as they got closer to present time they said, why don't we start doing one tentpole movie a year for us? Something that we're going to release into theaters, not just direct-to-video. And we're going to put a little bit more money into this and see how it goes. And they did, they've did; they done that since maybe like the late 2000s. Um, but hmm. most of their stuff still goes direct-to-video. And it seems like they're doing all right because they've been in business for 30 years now. It's a pretty good model. Yeah. They are, uh, I don't know if you said, they're one of Hollywood's longest running independent film companies. Wow. Um, Did you note note anything on the other production companies? Senatel Films? Did you get anything on that? I didn't
1: spend any time. I spent so much time looking at millennial media. I just I I did too.
0: I was like, I just found it fascinating. But Senatel, they've been around since the early 80s. They started as Chicago Films, relocated to Los Angeles in 83, and that's when they became Senatel. Most of their movies are direct-to-video, and they did a lot of things I'd never heard of. The ones that I had heard of maybe were bad sequels to movies that were already kind of fringe. Like they did a sequel. They did (laughs) Dream a Little Dream 2. (laughs) Yes, both Cory's were in it. They did some Poison Ivy sequels, but they didn't do the original Poison Ivy. They did Hard Bodies 2. (laughs) (laughs) so <laughs> wow. all their movies almost all their movies were direct-to-video bad really it's the type of stuff. movie
1: where like you get from a red box
0: yeah or back then it was like 89 cent video uh movies it was yeah. you know really bad stuff and the last one did you write anything on saturn films no
1: i didn't look up saturn films so i
0: i did look up and as uh, probably most people who are nick cage super fans would recognize Saturn films. That's Nick Cage's production company. So when he gets a production credit on or a producer credit on a movie, you're going to see Saturn films at the beginning. They've done 17 movies. They're all Nick Cage movies.
1: You know what? I didn't even know Nick Cage had a production company.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Uh, okay, what else? Do you have anything else before we well, get into the uh, movie? I got something else about Kill Chain. Okay.
1: Well, two things. One, it was distributed by Amazon Studios. Oh, I didn't see that. So it was released directly to Prime Video. Hmm. But the second thing is, and tell me if you saw this, but it looks like Kill Chain was shot in Colombia. Really? Like, not Colombia, Maryland. Colombia, the country in South America.
0: I wrote down that it looked like Mexico, but I didn't see it, didn't jump out at me and say Colombian. i full disclosure, I've been to Colombia three times. Um, I, it
1: could be. Would you buy double. seeing the you know the overhead shots of the city at the beginning? Would you buy that that's Colombia?
0: Mm, no, but you I mean you it's not like when Columbia. I've been there. I've been all over Colombia. I've been to Bogota. I've been to the coast. I've. You I, haven't been to like know. a seedy
1: hotel downtown where there, there's like there's prostitutes been. and stuff. Hotel outside. Del
0: Franco. <laughs> yeah, no, didn't stay there. Okay.
1: I look, I, from what I saw, Millennial Media shoots a lot
0: of movies in Colombia. Hmm.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Um,
0: I saw right. that they've done, shot most of their stuff in South Africa and Bulgaria. I didn't see that. Oh, I saw that too. In sure. uh, Okay.
1: So uh, it was written and directed by the same guy, Ken Sanzel. Yeah. He wrote uh, The Replacement Killers. That had Chow Yun Fat and Mira Servino. Mm-hmm. And he produced and wrote um, Numbers, the TV show that I never watched. It's, it's pronounced Numthers.
0: <laughs> it does have a three in there somewhere, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I've got some stuff on uh, Ken Sanzel, but I think I'm going to save it for the end. Okay. Yeah. One thing uh, that I noticed on uh, the opening credits was Ken Sanzel got a written by credit. And then after that, it came up and said, directed by Ken Sanzel. Most of the time this happens, you see, written and directed by Ken Sanzel. I wonder mm-hmm. why What? Why they made that choice. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, I guess he wanted to see his name on there as many times as possible. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I wonder, I, I'd love to, I find that kind of stuff fascinating. I'd love to figure out why they did that. If, if you know, feel free to leave a uh, comment on, Spotify or our you know Instagram page or send us yeah. an email. Ken, Ken if you're listening,
1: you can email us at hold the middle podcast at gmail.com. That would be great. I'd love to hear from Ken.
0: He's probably listening. He might be. Yeah. Eventually this is going to get to him.
1: Yeah. yeah. All right. How many other podcasts are there that talks about Kill Chain? Probably a lot. Yeah, you think so?
0: <laughs> Maybe not this way though. They other podcasts dedicate the whole podcast to the whole movie. Unlike us, where we just right. spend twenty minutes. Yeah, because we don't have time. Don't you know this.
1: Time. I'm. I'm. Give me a few minutes to go off on a tangent here, but this idea spawned out of something that I've been doing for almost my entire adult life. I notoriously don't have time to watch movies, so I have a twenty-minute rule for myself. Mm-hmm. I give a movie twenty minutes, and if I'm not a hundred percent into it. I bail after the 20 minute mark. And just recently over this last week, I started and stopped four movies after 20 minutes. Sheesh. I just could not get into it.
0: So you're, you never make it to a movie where by the end you're like, that was really good. And I didn't expect it to be good because it was bad at the beginning. It's possible. I bail
1: too early, but I don't know. It's just something I've always done. If I'm not, if I'm not hundred percent into it at 20
0: minutes, I'm out. Have you, ever, on to the next movie? have you ever gotten 20 pages into a book and decided, I don't want to read this book? I have. Yeah. I've done that a few times. Yeah.
1: Um, anyway, I immediately recognized one of the supporting cast members.
0: Yeah. I bet Enrico. I know who it is. Yeah, Enrico Enrico. Colin, Colin Tony. Yeah. Elliot from Just Shoot Me. That's what I wrote down. Just Shoot Me. Yeah. He was on other stuff. I know he's on Veronica Mars? Yes. Um, but I never watched that, so I can't. So you have seen Just Shoot Me? Oh, many times. I've probably seen every episode, multiple okay, times. Okay, that
1: surprises me a little bit, because every time I mention a TV show, you say you've never seen it.
0: Well, new stuff. I don't watch a lot of new TV. Okay. We so Just Shoot Me was ago.
1: the last show that you watched. <laughs> yeah,
0: that was it. It was also the first show that I watched. That's it. it was <laughs> just, like you've that's seen my the whole TV. history, Just Shoot Me and nothing else. I'm a, a big fan of um, David Spade, George Segal.
1: Uh, Yeah. And Rico, actually, I read an interview with him. He credits George Segal with his being his uh, acting mentor.
0: Really? You know, I think David Spade had a lot of good things to say about working uh, with him, too. And actually, that that whole group, they seemed like a good group and very tight. Mm -hmm. um, The girl, uh, Laura San Giacomo, she was really funny and talented. I always liked her.
1: Yeah. George Segal, not with us anymore.
0: No. No, no, I've been didn't, gone about so. a
1: year and a half. Also, the movie had Annabelle Acosta. I didn't recognize her. Have you seen did, her in
0: anything? I didn't get to her. Or, or if she was the girl that's in the hotel, uh, I didn't recognize her from anything. I don't know who she was.
1: Me neither. And uh, I did note Ryan Quentin, Uh People know him from True Blood. Uh, I've never seen True Blood, so I didn't recognize the name. Mm-mm. And I don't think we
0: see him in the first 10 minutes. Mm, okay there's not a lot to go on in the first 10 minutes but we're 17 minutes 18 minutes into this episode and we haven't really even started yeah that's a good point
1: (laughs) well that's all i have that's all i have for my pre-work did you have anything else
0: no no no. that's it i mean some of the stuff that you had i had so that's good you know what a kill chain is i don't it's a
1: military concept which identifies the structure of an attack interesting it's like an order of events when you're attacking. It's okay. like, uh, first you identify the target, then you dispatch forces to the target, then you initiate the attack, then you destroy the target. That's a kill chain. Interesting. What that has to do with this movie, I have no idea.
0: Hmm. Well, it does bring up an interesting point. I wonder if any of these people are ex-military in the movie. I wonder that as well. And I think, yeah, I think that's where it's heading. Hmm, I never I had not considered that until you just gave that description of what a kill chain is. Yeah. Okay, let's get started. Yeah, yeah. So we start and we're just over a large city uh and we're just kind of winding the streets, uh probably a drone shot for most of it uh through a car. I said Mexico. I don't know. Maybe. That's it's, a good guess. Be Colombia. Yeah. Um, Mexico is a good guess cuz I had no idea. The uh so This is a pretty big detail for me, and we're going to get into this in in a few minutes, but I thought the music, I thought everything, the the look, and then definitely the opening credits, which come in a few minutes, looked like an 80s cop show. At this point, I didn't know anything about Ken Sanzel, but he has done quite a bit of work on cop shows, and I'll get more into that later, but I definitely see that influence, uh, a procedural type cop show. In the look and feel of this movie. Interesting. Yeah.
1: I noticed there's a lot of shaky camera and like a lot of POV shots from this car that we're kind of following for the
0: first minute of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. We're getting a lot of street scenes. A lot of people, just who they're driving by. And we're two minutes in to our, what ended up being 11 minutes that we watched. And all we've seen are production companies and the car driving around town. Two full minutes.
1: Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Eventually the car arrives at this seedy motel downtown. Uh, two tough guys get out of the car and they enter the motel. And once we're in there, it like kind of cuts to this woman who's walking around with a gun and she's got like blood all over her. I couldn't really tell where she was in relation to these guys, but it was clear that she was in the motel as
0: well. Well, she came out of a room. And she looked down on them through a window. So I was like, she must be on, she's got to be on like the second floor and it kind of the hotel is kind of set up. Like they've got a, an atrium or something or a courtyard in the middle that you walk into the hotel and rooms are up above kind of in a, around the atrium. Um, and so she's up later, on that second level.
1: We learn later that there's only two
0: rooms. There's only two rooms. That's what they say. Yeah. Okay. Only two rooms. Uh, and you, did you say she's covered in blood? You did, right? She's got she a gun. Does. She's yes. covered she's got blood in blood all over. her. Yeah. Um, so we get our first cage sighting three minutes and thirty-five seconds into the movie, and he's got a beard and a gun.
1: Oh, hold on here. I wrote down three thirty-four. Oh, God. are you sure so it was three thirty-five?
0: Way off.
1: No, I think you're off.
0: <laughs> I think I was just rounding up, maybe. <laughs> okay, we'll go with we'll go with three thirty-four. I'll correct this in in the He notes.
1: looks pretty good. He's got a beard was this was this the same beard he had in primal or was his primal beard a little bit
0: could be I wouldn't be surprised if these were shot um close together i mean it's both twenty nineteen okay. and he's in a he's in a south American country um or at least that's what it's supposed to be and uh so it's possible he shot these back to back
1: could have yeah do you think he like schedules his movies based on facial hair like he Tries to do all his beard movies back to back and then his clean shaven
0: movies. If he's smart, he does.
1: Yeah, or else he's got to c- continuously shave and continuously uh, grow the beard back.
0: Yeah, that takes so, a little while. Well, it takes yeah, a little while for some people. Like probably not I, for him. Maybe not. I've got a beard and when I, if I ever shave it, it takes like a good six weeks to grow back.
1: I don't think I've ever seen
0: you with a clean, clean shaven face. It's, it's been a while, maybe since mid 2000s. No, that's not – yeah, that's not true. I think I did shave in in 2014, 2015 for –
1: You've had it so long that if you shave now, you'll frighten your children.
0: I probably would, yeah. 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 And my wife. (laughs) Uh, So one of the guys that comes in, he says something about, uh, you know, you've only got two rooms. How do you make money? Nick Cage says, oh, we've got a low overhead. And one of the guys is behind the counter – and Cage very calmly says, this area is for employees only. Yeah. The guy's like, all right, well. You, and, you glossed over
1: when Nick Cage enters the lobby, uh-huh. he slaps the back of a dead guy.
0: He looks dead. I, I'm not exactly sure what's going on. The, the, Me neither. He, the, we find out in a bit that guy's name is Franco, right? No. I, I thought Enrico is Franco. Oh, I don't know. See, the hotel is called the Hotel Del Franco. And uh, in a bit, Nick says something like, uh, it's just me and Franco or something mm-hmm. like that. I think the dead
1: guy in the lobby was someone else hired to kill Nicolas Cage. And hmm. Nicolas Cage got the better of him.
0: Interesting. That's but a, I just thought it was makes odd. More sense.
1: They were just having a normal conversation where, while there's a, a dead man slumped over in a
0: chair in the lobby. See... The guy he's slumped over on like a table or a poker table or something. So I wasn't a hundred percent on if he was dead or drunk, but dead that? seems more likely. But I, I, I don't his remember. Eyes seeing. were open. Oh, maybe they were. I don't know. I'm pretty sure he's dead. He's probably dead. Yeah. So the guy who was behind there's two guys that came in. I don't know if they're bad guys. They don't seem like good guys. But they one of them pulls out a gun from behind the counter. And asks, you know, ask Cage. And I keep saying Cage because they haven't really said anybody's name.
1: No, I don't and, think we ever hear Nick Cage's character name.
0: No. And I, I don't know if we ever hear anyone's name in the first 10 minutes. Maybe, maybe in the like the last couple minutes, there's a phone You're conversation, right. maybe somebody, but, uh, he says, um, he takes out a gun and, uh, and then the guy says, you've also got a gun under your shirt. And Cage is like, yeah, I do. And he gives it to him. So at this point, in most of these Cage movies, we've we've had jokes to crack on some of the stuff we've seen. In this case, n- nothing really funny has happened. No. no. And you know what? The, um, it's not a terrible script so far. No, it's not. And I, a... I I made a note that nothing funny has happened, but I'm... Slightly intrigued.
1: Right. We still don't really know what the movie is about. No. Um, one of the goons or the tough guys locks the front door and it kind of cuts to Nick Cage. And you can tell in his face, like he knows that there's there's trouble ahead. Yeah. These guys aren't here just to chit chat with him.
0: Yeah. And we do get a shot of the girl upstairs again. They don't know she's there. Clearly mm-hmm. she knows. they're They're there. And we get a shot of her face. And not only is her body covered in blood, it looks like there's lots of blood all over her mouth. Like she ate whoever she just killed. Yeah, it looks a lot, bad.
1: A lot of blood. Yeah. Um, but we, don't we get the sense that like he's been hiding out at this motel for a while?
0: Yeah. They talk in some sort of code. I and mean, it's not really code, but it's like they're having a conversation where they understand each other, but the audience doesn't really understand anything. Correct. Uh, that it's. It seems like he knew they were coming. They had to confirm who he was. I don't. I didn't know what the hell was going on. It was very confusing for me. It
1: just looks like they have been hired to kill him. Yeah, like he's been hiding out for some time, and there, there maybe there's a, a bounty on his head. Yeah, and I think the dead guy in the lobby, he he was another bounty hunter that Mm -hmm. was going to kill him for the money. And the woman and Nick got the, got the better of him. And I think these guys are here to kill him.
0: Yeah. And it now, now, and at this point where, after there's been a lot of dialogue where you can't understand anything that's happening, it starts to unveil a little bit. Cage has been on the run from something, but what it's not clear. And he says, Hey, Before it sounds like, you know, basically the gist is before you kill me, don't you want to hear my side of the story? And one of the guys is like, Yeah, sure, I'll listen. He says, Make it short. Yeah, make it short. And that's when some opening credits start. And this is where I really started to get the feel of I wrote it down. You may not believe me later, or you may. I said, This looks like the opening to a CBS procedural. (laughs) And I did not know at the time that the director was. Had, had written and produced CBS procedurals, numbers <laughs> and funny. blue bloods. Okay. But this yep. really felt like something from one of those shows. Yeah. And the credits were like overly long
1: too. They were really they long. Were almost two full minutes
0: of yeah. credits. It was, it was not good. It looked like something from a CBS TV show and except that the music wasn't uh, the who, that was the only difference. <laughs> Uh, so the um, first first person we see is Enrico uh, Colantoni, and I was like, "Hey, not bad. I like this guy. You know, I, I don't know that I would ever cast him in a movie about, you know, maybe serial killers or <laughs> killers or whatever, but he, I like him. He's he was funny on Just Shoot Me."
1: So when we see him, this is the story that Nick Cage is telling, I presume, because uh, he he starts off this story. He says, "Me and Franco." And that's when it cuts to the credits. And then I got the sense that Enrico is Franco. And this is Nick Cage's story.
0: Man, I didn't get that. Did you not get that? No, I I thought the guy, the dead guy on the table was Franco. And I'm probably going to be wrong. Couldn't you picture
1: Enrico Colantoni as a Franco?
0: Yeah, Franco and Enrico are not that far off. No. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, he's a sniper. And... They've shown him uh, looking through a scope about 15 times in that those opening credits. God, Always yeah. in that same room.
1: Yeah. He's I in the
0: motel. Yeah, he's in the motel. I don't think he's getting out of that room alive. Really? No, I don't think so. Isn't he like second build on the movie? He is. Maybe he'll be in that room the entire movie.
1: I don't know. I don't know. I think the movie is about Nick Cage's character and – Franco. And I think Enrico Colantoni is Franco. I don't know if they work together or if they're enemies or frenemies, but they, I think they definitely have
0: some sort of relationship. And Cage said he bought the hotel, didn't he? From a friend from, but he didn't say Franco, but the hotel's yeah. name is hotel Del Franco. Yeah.
1: Maybe he bought it from Franco.
0: Maybe. He's
1: been Maybe there Maybe he years. killed Franco and then just took over the motel.
0: But Franco's upstairs. So you think this is a, a... I think this is the past. You think so?
1: Yeah, I think this is like one year ago, and this is mm. Nick Cage's story. Interesting. This is the story of me and Franco.
0: I think you understand this movie better than I do, maybe. You definitely have better theories. I spent I a just, lot of time thinking about it. I just didn't get much out of it. It just wasn't much to go on. No. But the last, Not, and then there's a lot of exposition in the last three minutes. Because, he's like, talk, he's
1: talking to his daughter on the yeah. phone while he's. Um,
0: loading his rifle. (laughs) Yeah. Which I found odd. And looking, he's Um, looking through the window to see what's going on down on the street. There's also a lot of talk about rice cookers. Yeah, I, this was, it was so bizarre. That was bizarre. It was so dumb too. Like, there's gotta be better things to talk about than rice cookers. Yeah. Before he
1: talks to his daughter, he's talking to his, I don't know, his friend or assistant on the phone, asking him about, about buying a rice cooker and if rice cookers travel well because he does a lot of traveling and he's asking his
0: daughter about rice cookers. I, it was, I don't know. It was terrible. Yeah. So on the phone with his daughter, there's a ton of exposition. It's lots of stuff about where she goes to school, the situation she's in financially, uh, that, how they haven't seen each other uh, very much. She in wants five to know. Years. Yeah, five years. Why can't I see you? What are you doing? What happened? Why did you leave? So we're starting to understand more about him. He has some sort of career that uh, must keep him out of the States and it's probably not good. And he sends her money. Um, So I'm sure he's earning money for some sort of bad reason.
1: I think he's like a mercenary.
0: Uh, Yeah. Yeah. That sounds
1: right. I don't know. I think, I don't know who Nick Cage is. I think at some point they cross paths and, I don't know if they're friends or enemies, but yeah, you're right. There's not a whole lot to go off of here. No. I actually wrote down under my predictions in my notes, I wrote no clue. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's that's the end of the 11 minutes. We, gave, we both gave the uh, conversation he was having with his daughter time to wrap up, and that was the end of it. So not yeah. a lot to go on here. I was wondering if this was some sort of like Pulp Fiction type story where there's a bunch of people – in the hotel and they're all doing their own things and their stories converge somehow. And is Enrico working with cage or is he just staying in this hope in this place? I-, I don't know, but I don't think he's going to leave that room.
1: This is where my, my 20 minute rule would have came in handy because I could have continued watching for the, another nine minutes. Mm. But you, I wouldn't wanted, say this- you wanted to keep watching. I did. Cause I, I at least want to know what the movie is about. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say I was like, I was all in on it. Like it's not very good. Yeah. I could see why it's straight to prime video, but at
0: least for the sake of this podcast, I want to know what the heck was going on. So you think these guys are mercenaries. I wondered if maybe, or, or like bounty hunters or something like that. I wondered if cage had crossed someone and fled. And these guys were there on his behalf. Like they worked for him and they're coming to find cage. Um, but maybe that's about the same thing,
1: yeah, well, I, we're going to find out, aren't we? I hope so. We'll how long ago?
0: how long do you has Cage been on the run? Five years, ten years? I don't think they I, say. I,
1: I don't think they say, but I think he say something about he bought the motel a year
0: ago a year ago, but yeah, and and they said, well, you, you ought to know that you can't settle down or you can't stay in one place. That's too long to stay in one place. So, I'm, I'm under the impression that he's been on the run for a long time. If a year to stay in one place is a long time to him. He's, he's yeah. been moving around a lot. So I think it's like 10 years, maybe. maybe. Who's, the, who's the girl upstairs? No idea. No idea.
1: Yeah. I think she's a friend of Nicholas Cage's. Character. I think she must be. Yeah. yeah. You think he's, there's two rooms there. You think he's staying in one room? She's staying in the other?
0: No, I think uh, Enrico Colin Tony is in one of the rooms. Oh, because he's still alive at this point. You think this is when we see him, it's present day. I I never got the impression that it was a flashback, but it could be because Nick Cage is telling the story, isn't he? Okay. This is one of the few times
1: where we've we have a difference of opinion on
0: our predictions. Interesting to see what happens here. Uh well,
1: what else? Do you got anything else on this? I did. I
0: wanted to go a little bit deeper into Ken Sanzel. Um and it's something else. So Ken Zanzel worked on uh, numbers. He worked on blue bloods. He worked on Ironside. These are all procedural shows. Uh, he wrote 18 episodes of numbers. Um, he was most recently a series creator on reef break, which was on for 13 episodes on ABC.
1: But I wanted to go
0: back to blue bloods. Really? How long do you think blue bloods has been on? Is it still on? It's still on.
1: I I've never seen an episode, You've but I've never I seen that. an episode either. I know people love it. People love Tom Selleck. Um, I think it's been on for like 10 years. It's been on since 2010.
0: 2010. 263 episodes. That's incredible. So I wanted to get into Tom Selleck, really. This is going so far. The only (laughs) thing Tom, this, this is, Blue Bloods, the only thing Tom Selleck has done more of is Jesse Stone movies. I'm kidding, but only barely. He has done, <laughs> uh, after his 263 episodes of Blue Bloods, he did 158 episodes of Magnum, 19 episodes of Las Vegas, 10 episodes each of Friends and The Closer, and nine Jesse Stone movies, plus lots of you know movies and one-offs and stuff like that. So 263 episodes of Blue Bloods. I know you've never seen an episode, neither have I. Do you know what his character's name is on Blue Bloods? No idea. Frank Reagan. Frank Reagan. That's a Frank good Reagan. name. Uh, you would think, man, that after 263 episodes, you would just be like in the TV lexicon. Like people would know, uh, j- just even if you didn't watch, you'd know that, right? But I don't know, man. There's just so much content out there now. I feel like if you'd done 263 episodes, something in, in the 70s or 80s, everybody would know your character's name. That's true. That's a good point. But now it's just it's just another thing. Yeah.
1: I wonder who watches Blue Bloods.
0: I think old people.
1: Yeah, my mom probably.
0: Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask you too, what are your favorite procedurals of all time? Do you have any? I've never
1: seen any of the CSIs. I've not either. And I'm not, I've, never, I've seen... never watched
0: Law and Order. Me neither. Never. I've never seen Law and Order. People love Law & Order. Yeah. I mean, it's got like 12 spinoffs. I don't like TV shows
1: that have a beginning and end in every episode. I like serialized shows.
0: Like Lost. (laughs) Yeah, like Lost. Like Heroes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like... (laughs) Boy, that show went downhill pretty quick. It did, yeah, real fast. Um, The only one I can really think of... Like, I tried to write down TV procedurals that I've watched, but I really... I mean, I really didn't watch anyone. I used to work at uh, TBS in the um, early 2000s. And I was in a master control role where I had to watch TV every day. That was my job. I watched TV. And if something went wrong, I had to fix it. Uh, and I watched a lot of Matlock. And I really liked it. And it was it started at the beginning. It had at an intro to the story. And by the end, the story was over. And that was the end. And you knew next week was going to be about the same thing. But I liked it. And I had COVID last year and I was kind of knocked out for about a week. And all I did was watch Matlock on, on uh, Pluto TV <laughs> and, and I enjoyed it again. So that was one of the ones I put as my tops. But a, another procedural show, I couldn't think of any that I'd watched on, on a regular basis and enjoyed since like the early 80s. So all I could write down was like Incredible Hulk, Magnum. But even then, I wasn't watching it. I was a kid, so I wasn't really watching it. Um, I watched The Greatest American Hero, but I was young. Yeah. Um, that's
1: all everything was back then in the 80s and even into the 90s. Everything was a procedural.
0: Yeah. They didn't have shows like Lost. No. You know, everything, 60s, 70s, 80s, was Gunsmoke, Bonanza, Little House on the Prairie. People loved it. Yeah. Love Boat. Murder, She Wrote. But that's a procedural. Yeah. Yeah, Murder, She Wrote was a pretty big deal.
1: Um, Yeah. I did watch uh, The Good Wife. Oh, yeah? That's kind of like a court case of the week kind of show, but it was also serialized because there was a continuing story about the main characters. But I think I would consider that a procedural because it had like a different case every week. Mm -hmm. What about ER? Is that a procedural? I never watched
0: ER. You never watched ER? No. Oh wow! I never watched Grey's Anatomy. Uh, I think I saw the first season. I didn't watch any. I've never. I have been my TV watching experience for the past, you know, or from birth until I really kind of stopped watching TV was mostly sitcoms, uh, game shows, reality shows when when they first started. Mm-hmm. Lots of Survivor, Big Brother, um, but never. Hour-long dramas just really weren't my thing. I remember people telling me, you really should watch Lost. And I was like, I'm just not into hour-long dramas. And about um, middle of season two, I think, I gave it a shot and loved it. Yeah, you and I spent a lot of time talking about Lost. Way too much time. When that was on. Way too much time. I think back about conversations I've had with people about Survivor and Big Brother and Lost. And I think, wow. Wow. I wasted a lot of time <laughs> on stuff yes. that ended well, we up spend, disappointing
1: You remember when, when you watched it live, it would end in the spring and not start back up until the fall. We, you and I would spend the entire summer trying to figure out, what, you know, who was in the coffin at the end of season four of Lost. Yeah.
0: Re- reading, and we just,
1: reading theories. Reading theories and just ta- talking ad nauseum about it.
0: Yeah. I read a lot of books that were – mentioned or uh, maybe only slightly referenced and lost. And that I probably never read more books in my life than then. That's um, back when you
1: had a lot more time on your hands.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's tough to read a book these days because um I go to bed at like nine o'clock. Once the kids get to bed, I'm I'm out.
1: All right. I think we've talked enough about Kill yeah. Chain. This We're has going been our long... longest episode this our is talk. our longest episode on a movie where we really had nothing to go off of. Yeah. We'll
0: come back later this week and we'll talk about the last 10 minutes of Kill Chain. Hopefully we'll get some answers to all these questions we have. What do you think?
1: Uh, sounds good. I'll talk to you on Thursday.
0: All right, good. See you then. Bye. If you like this podcast, please tell your friends and find us on Instagram at holdthemiddle.